What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. can complain about a lack of drama after the football weekend we've just witnessed. The ball is round is delighted to acknowledge how fans the world over came together and behind Christian Eriksen after one of the worst events any of us had ever witnessed on a football field. Happily, the Danish international appears to be stable and well on the mend. Those scenes were just horrendous and it really puts the sport of football in the sharp perspective yes we all love it and yes we all love to win as do the players the coaches and the fans but everything peeled into insignificance yesterday it really is only a game but it's a game we still want to talk about and Christian Eriksen himself probably wouldn't have it any other way so we've had Canada and World Cup qualifying and an exciting Sunday of Euros football as the tournament gets into full swing. It is Sunday, June the 13th, and Eve, Sam and Hattie are here to talk the issues with me. Guys, I have to start with the Ericsson incident. I assume you were all watching at the time. I was crying. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. Yeah. It is shocking. Eh? It, is, it, it was tough to watch, but I mean... We have to say it again. What a fantastic job the medical team did. And they started the chest compressions right on the field. They gave him defibrillation on the field. And one defibrillator shock, he was he was back conscious, which is not something very common. It doesn't happen often. It's incredible what, what happened. And you know, as sorry uh, the, the scene was as incredible the outcome is so it's it's great to see that he's good and probably no damage done yeah, yeah. they were they were the real the real heroes of that game and i saw a tweet saying that and uh, it's true they were i'd say they of were the, the tournament heroes. yeah uh we don't know what's gonna happen in the tournament i hope that we're, we're not gonna experience anything worse i hope we don't require <laughs> anything that yeah, yeah exactly so uh but yeah as of right now i completely agree and uh, it's a shock. We talked about it, uh, Paul and I, in Euro Daily, uh, the 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 podcast, uh, the thirty minute podcast that we record daily uh, on the Euros. So uh, we did talk about it, and uh, yeah, very shocking, very shocking, you know, situation. But at least you know he's good, he, he's safe, he, he's uh, he's awake, and he, he talked with his team, asking them to come back on the pitch. So. Great. And unfortunately, his team lost, and uh, that's that's. I think that's very sad that Denmark lost the game. I would have loved to see a happy ending, seeing Denmark win the game, just for the sake of of uh, of Christian Eriksen. But uh, no, uh, you know, Finland won the game fair and square. 
And I think there's a there's a photograph that kind of has been doing the rounds from I think it's a Getty photograph where Thomas Delaney, Andreas Christensen and Jonas Wind are all standing in that circle around him, but they're standing with their back to him, not able to look. And you just see the grief in their faces and what's going on. And to be fair, if you looked at the pictures during the game, while that was all going on in the crowd, you could see the anguish in so many people's faces. It was uh it was quite harrowing and and almost unbelievable, and and of course we had a couple of people that we're we've been fairly close to involved as well in the other side in the Finnish team. You had Yuka Raitala playing in the game, and you had Lassie Lapalainen on the bench. So not a good experience for those guys either. No, certainly not, and it's it's certainly a a shame that Finland's first appearance at the Euro they do win the game but it's forever going to be marred by this event and the circumstances in which the game continued after the fact. So, so it's really a shame, um, not only the fact that they had to witness what happened and go through that just like the D Danish players did, but then the result of their match, I think, will always be a little bit in question. Yeah, but you know what? Everything's going to peel into insignificance, as we said earlier, given... Given what happened, so, um, you know, and I think uh, to be fair to Christian Eriksen, he's, as Hattie said, he's given a message back to his teammates saying the show must go on and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he, he'd, he'd want the, everything to go on and he want us to keep talking about football too, if he only knew about us, I'm sure. So we're going to have a wee look at um, World Cup qualifying. Um, Canada had two games this week since we last spoke to our listeners um, a 4-0 win over Suriname in Chicago and a very good 1-0 win in Port-au-Prince against Haiti on an awful surface of a pitch. Guys, your views. Well, that's half the job done. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely, I felt like Haiti had a 12th man out there with uh, that slow, slow, slow rolling pitch. My goodness. Yeah, even Alfonso Davies looks slow at some point on that pitch. Eh? It, it, it. But you know, that's that, that's all good. You're playing at home, you're going to play on your advantages. And I have to say once again, I, I just love how Haiti play. And, they, and their first half was, was to me very good. But it's a good result in the circumstances in a tough tough stadium in Haiti. Really big heat over there. And I, I didn't think Canada played that much of a good game. So to, to leave with a 1-0 result you know with an away goal and you going back to Chicago after is, is very positive in my opinion yeah it's yeah. a very it's a very good result but but guys should it have been more yeah you it know could what? have it, it should have it should have but don't forget you know the, the conditions in which Canada found themselves in Haiti and we've seen it Paul in the presser with John Herdman it, it seemed and he said it John Herdman it's been unbelievable for the Canadian national team to, to go there uh, because of the whole situation. Don't forget that in Haiti, there's no uh, vaccines at all. Uh, so COVID is hitting very, very bad. Um, they went there, they arrived there. Uh, security was very, very tough. Uh, they got their uh, COVID test results late. Uh, so a lot late than, than, than usual and it's, it's supposed to. So there was all that stress building up. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to play in those conditions. And then you go, you go on the pitch and then the, you, you got that sort of pitch with, a, <laughs> with, with, you know, a, a pitch that's not 
that's not easy to play on, right? So, uh, you know, in the circumstances, I understand Canada should have won that game by more than a goal. I completely understand. But at the end of the day, we know in the CONCACAF region, going to play away is always pretty tough. So getting a, a result, not only winning the game, but not even having a scored con- a, a goal conceded, that's a very good thing, I think, for Canada. Now, they need to continue and finish the job in, in, in Montreal, I was going to say, in Chicago. <laughs> and they need to win by, by a better margin, at least by two or three goals, in order to prove that they're here, they're here, and they're, they're, they're here to compete for a spot in the World Cup. So that's what they need to do in the next game, I think. Exactly. And I think I think one of the big factors that perhaps allowed Canada to maybe influence more of the game, uh, at least after they initially adjusted to the difficulty of the turf, was I really liked um, the choice of Mark anthony Kay and St- Stephen Eustachio together. I preferred it significantly more than um, we'd seen with Sam Piet and uh, Eustachio on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. Eustachio was instrumental as a number six. He was very, very good in that midfield. Uh, with with K, I think they're really good together. Uh, the thing is, I, I I still don't think even if Osorio gave an assist in the second game, I still don't think he has his place in that in that team. So for me, I would go with it with the with Piet, Eustachio, and and K. Uh, in K midfield. at the ten. Uh, not really at the time as a, as, a, as as the eight as as a box to box okay. or you know and I think that you know when Scott Darfield will be back I think he'll be he'll be the better choice uh, and then you can put a stack UK and and Scott Darfield but K is able to play a bit forward or you can ask a stack to play a bit forward because he is able to play a box to box he is mostly a box to box midfielder so you know there's a lot of things that you can do it's just that I think that Osorio was pretty average in both games but you know at least he was uh, decisive he he gave an assist in that in the game against Haiti but he wasn't that good yeah, I think, he, in those well, it, it, it was only an so assist it was only an assist only. let's face only. it <laughs> no only an assist let's face it because the goalkeeper was so poor yeah. because that ball oh, that should never shameful. have gotten across the box yeah. Yeah, no. but the goalkeeper saved quite a few. Uh, he he saved two other chances, so yes. two other big chances. So yes. if you if if he had missed one of those chances, we you know uh, you know that still that that scoreline is still is still pretty good and pretty I think uh, shows a bit you know the the way uh, Canada was better than the Haitian team. Mm. No, no, Sam. Yeah, no. Listen, uh, I, I Haiti would played the game that I think we expected them to play. And like I said, I love it, how, how they approach the game. It's, it's direct. It's, it, they close the, the center of the park. It's, it's tough to play against them. And I think that's why, to go back to what you were saying, I think that's why Azorio doesn't really have his place in that team because he, I, I felt he, he just didn't have control on, the, on the, the pressure Haiti was putting on him. And that's, that's maybe the little twitch I would do. But still, you know, the result was was a good one, but uh, the execution wasn't that that great, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. can, can we do? Do you guys really think that we should have won this game like three nil or four nil? Oh, I know where I'm coming from when I said we should have won maybe three one was because we missed two guilty 
gilded oh, yeah, chances. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Canada were brilliant. I thought they were professional, but yeah. I didn't think they were brilliant. Exactly. Um, that That's the feeling I had too. And second half, especially, I think, you know, there wasn't much doing in it. Haiti started to play such a high line that we had a couple of breakaways that we didn't really do anything. Plus the Haitians got better as the game wore on. Yep. Yeah, and that's I think that's what you have to expect against a team that plays that that type of game is they're gonna wear you down, and at some point they won't they bend but they don't really break you know so if you're not able to to break them they're gonna have their chances and they're gonna put you in danger so that's why I think Canada should be wary of that tactic of Haiti because they're gonna probably come back with the same ideas uh, in Chicago and you know anything can happen and don't forget Haiti didn't have uh, some of their very good players that who weren't uh, 100% on the bench. Let's say Dickens Nazon, mm -hmm. who, who usually is... Yeah, a, he's the only starter. one, but all the rest were here. Uh, yeah, All the rest were here, and I think Canada did a very good job to... Uh, to uh, uh, to defend on Simonson, who's for me yeah. one of their best players, and he was the best player against Nicaragua. So they did a very good job on that. Uh, Franzi Pierrot didn't do anything. That's another one of their their good players. He was mm -hmm. in the starting line in the lineup. He didn't do anything. No, he struggled. You're right. He you. really struggled. He got a nice. yellow card pretty early in the game yeah. on Alfonso Davies. So. Oh, that was like ten seconds in. <laughs> exactly about ten seconds in, and you know. Uh, I, I don't I think the, the the problem that we've had is not because only because Haiti was was good or is good. I think the, the biggest problem that we have is that we're still playing in a new system again uh, with uh, at least John Herdman, you know, still, you know, played with a three, five, two, the same one as 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 uh, as he had against Suriname. But still, that new system uh, is, is too new to 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 be completely understood uh, by the players. And of course, it doesn't help when you see Herdman really change all his tactics just to accommodate uh, Alfonso Davies. I didn't like that. I didn't like that he started him on the on the left wing as as a as a left wing back, and then he switched him as a right wing back, and then he switched him in the, in the center of the field. I understand that you want to put your your star player in the best conditions, but at the end of the day, it's not the star player's team. It's a whole team. It's a collective. It's a it's it's a team playing together. If your other players are doing the job, we, we don't really care about Alfonso Davies if he's not doing the job. So I, I don't like the fact that you accommodate your best players if the other players are producing and the other play, players were producing. So that's that's the only thing that I can, you know, be I'm, I'm a bit mad about uh, on, on John Herdman's part. I don't know if you guys agree with me or definitely see where you're coming from for sure um all the same it kind of just felt like obviously you want to keep your your most talented player who can contribute maybe a huge part in that second away goal which would be massive of course you want to keep him on the pitch they've clearly managed to lock him down on the left hand side of the field and you know that if there's a guy who's going to have a, a moment of individual brilliance to bring that final ball in, it's going to be Alfonso Davies because he's just so head and shoulders world class above everyone else. Unfortunately, like I no knocks to the rest of the players. I just mean he's on he's on another level. He's even higher than Jonathan David, I would say. Yeah, but you don't have average players next no, to him. No, they're far players, from so. average. I feel, and that's the thing. I feel terrible, but. Against Suriname, for example, it took that one moment of individual pure running and instinct 
from mm -hmm. Davies. And I understand he got a really good pass from uh, David as yeah. well to, to get that going. But that's what it took to break it open. It was yeah, him. But, but that was a different game. Like Yes, it was during, a totally different game. During that game, the, the goal was already scored. Laren made the goal without Alfonso Davies. It was a cross from Osorio. Yeah. And Laren scored yes. the goal. No, I was, so I was you're still winning 1-0. And it's the rest of your team that really you know, was able to score. Mm -hmm. Why, why still accommodate Alfonso Davies if the rest of the team is doing well? Okay. I don't know, Sam, I am curious to have you. But thoughts. is it a question of accommodation or more a question of, you know, John Herman, when he's preparing his game plan with, with his assistants, he, he writes down scenarios, you know? Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they won't. They, they try not to improvise during the game. They're going to take scenarios. So if 80 are leading or if they're playing in a certain way we're going to move our our players around so maybe john herdman saw something that he had prepared for and wasn't wasn't sure of where davies was was doing or working on the field and i think maybe that's just where it is because it i i, I just don't think coaches at that level go into a game and start improvising during the game it's it, they have so much video time to prepare and it's just it's just a question of probably John Herman saw a matchup he didn't like or he saw a, a switch in Haiti that he didn't like for his team and I I didn't see him really accommodate Davis I just thought he, it was it was a tactical twitches no I really said during the the presser that he wanted to give some spaces to Alfonso well, sure sure so he, he said it see, so he can like, say it yeah no, but at the same time it, but, yeah but will he go ahead. out and 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 shoot out his tactics to the world probably not so it's easier to say that he's accommodating his best players and at the same time I would say it had been relatively speaking as we know um Richie Rea, it had been a relatively quiet night for him as things go and Alfonso Davies had been absolutely smothered. He was double and triple teamed the entire game on the left-hand side. So mm -hmm. I don't think, say if Richie Lirea wasn't getting up on the pitch as much as um, John Herdman would have liked, I don't think bringing in a guy like Zach Brogiard would have solved the problem um, because I don't think he would have quite as much. Therefore, I think kind right. of switching over Alfonso Davies and then bringing in Sam Adekube on the left flank was maybe just best scenario possible i think i mean if if he herdman took a decision in the game to to kind of change his position uh change alfonso davies position he must have uh, 
at least I would hope, he's done it because he thinks it gives Canada a better chance of 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 getting that second goal, which would have been been so valuable. The only thing I was thinking watching the game was if Carl Heinz Rubinig is watching this game, <laughs> he's he's going to want uh, Herdman to take Alfonso Davies off completely because some of the treatment he got from the Haitians was. Uh, a little bit over the top, I thought. And it was, um, um, there robust. was there was one challenge uh, midway through the first half, I think, and I can't remember the name of the Haitian player who did the challenge, but he was substituted later in the second half. He wasn't even yellow carded. It was the worst challenge of the game. It was incredible. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought he got some treatment every every time he tried to run. He was he was buffeted and he was knocked and all the rest. And to be fair to Alfonso Davies, he's you know, he's as brave as they come and it didn't phase him at all. And he just oh. got up and, and kept doing it the next time. Sign of a great player, you know? Yeah, he is, that, he is. that experience is coming in. You know when to give the ball before context too. And I think yeah. that's, that's part of part of growing up. And you have to get these knocks before you start feeling maybe a bit more comfortable on the field, which he, he already, already looks very comfortable. But he'll just learn to play maybe a bit quicker in some some situations where there's danger, you know? Yeah, but a, but a great result. So, guys, what do we think is going to happen in Chicago next week? I mean, for me, it looks, you know, I I, I think back to the Gold Cup defeat, and I, I, I didn't think Canada were absolutely brilliant on Saturday, but they looked to me a much, much superior side to Haiti now, uh, certainly compared to what we saw two years ago. Yeah, I agree. I agree that they, they, they look better. They look better, and... Uh, the thing is, they're not playing at home. <laughs> That's no, the problem. It's... If they were playing in, 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 in I'm not going to say Montreal, if they're Please, playing, playing in Canada, in Toronto, <laughs> in Vancouver or whatever, I think it, it would have been a much easier game. But unfortunately, they're playing in the U.S. with almost no fans. Uh, almost so no. You, don't have, you don't have home advantage. And that's, that's a pity, I think. But... But I think with a with a normal pitch and <laughs> with a normal pitch and and the right players in, in, in place and with the right tactics and if John Herdman doesn't do any doesn't come up with another uh, tactical formation because every time there's a good very important game he just tries a new experimental formation so let's hope that he doesn't do that he sticks mm -hmm. with a three five two then yes, of course, we should easily win. And and, and I really mean it. We should easily win that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I'd, agree. Just be, I'd just be wary if Haiti are able to to weather the storm in the in the early stages and really hold on to that 0-0. Zero, zero. It could be danger a bit for Canada because, like I said, Haiti are, are really solid and not, not breaking. And, you know, if Canada just have that some mental lapses in the second half or something, you know, they, they can pounce on it and it's still game over, game open. But Sam, really. Sam, did you not think in this, the early stages of the game, probably throughout the first half, the Haitians for me didn't look as intense or they didn't look as up for the game as what I've seen from them in the past. In fact, if you go back to the, the Gold Cup game that they won, their, yeah. their commitment in that game was absolutely incredible. And it's probably what carried them through. They didn't look like that in the first half on Saturday. Yeah, they came into it a bit more in the second half, but they almost looked at times disinterested. No, well, this, maybe not disinterested, but I had the, I, I thought the same thing. I was a bit surprised that because you know they, they they have that that commitment and that intensity that that's like crazy when they go out there, and it's it's really fun to watch. But I think maybe it was more of 
when you play that type of game, sometimes you get caught a bit out of position and maybe the coach was going a bit more for tactical stiffness and not like throw yourself into a tackle, get beat, break up the defensive block. Sometimes that can happen when you play that type of game. So maybe we're going to see a bit more of it uh, on uh, uh, next week when they're going to play in Chicago. But I, I, I expect them to be very, very physical and an intense game like like they know how to okay so that's uh that's the canadian national team uh on course for the world cup um hopefully if they can finish the job uh in next midweek uh there'll be a couple of big games in september to look forward to if they do um prevail they will play the us and honduras both in september in the octagonal so the next thing we want to talk about um Louis Binks. Louis Binks has uh, officially departed um, CF Montreal earlier than his scheduled uh, 2021 loan, which was supposed to go until the end of the year. Um, but we just heard this week that uh, he's on his way off to Bologna. Guys, your reaction, please. Well, I said, uh, I think I said to you guys on our own, we don't really have much to debate about anymore when it comes to central defense. Yeah, that, that facilitated my choices questions. People are talking about bigger picture and stuff here, but it would be nice to see what that bigger picture is right now. It's a little bit, it's just a little bit hard to understand. I felt that we talked about this when the transfer was announced and we felt, um, or certainly I felt, after we had done that a lot of us kind of folks were a little bit blasted by mainstream media, if you like, because I think they were accusing people who reacted in the way we did of not seeing the bigger picture, but I'd love to see what that landscape is now because it's becoming a little bit more difficult to understand. Yeah. It's very hard to understand because think about it. Uh, what are the central defenders that we have? We're playing with a back three system. We have uh, Kamal Miller that's injured. We have Joel Waterman. We have Rudy Camacho and we have Kiki Struna. We, have, we only have four central defenders that are fully professional, of course, and not newbies. Of course, we do have a few new, newbies uh, mm-hmm. that haven't even played one minute with the, with the main team. And but we have some... Yeah, but that's it. And Miller is injured for at least another two to three weeks. So, so we're gonna play. We're gonna play with what? With Waterman, with the, with Struna, and with Camacho. Is that enough? Like with all the games that we're gonna have in the next two to three weeks? Wow. I don't know. You, you would have to hope. I, I want to bring Sam in because I think he tried to get in there. But um, listen, we you'd have to hope that um, there's something going on behind the scenes because this hasn't just come up suddenly. I'm sure. No, that's that's it. I think it's it's a calculated move, probably. And now we're gonna see what, what's gonna happen because I can't I can't imagine ourselves starting right now with with the defense we have. You know, with with Miller injured and not unsure of when he's gonna be back. And still, you know, there's there's some question marks a bit on Struna and Waterman. So maybe it's it's gonna be the time to. to for Olivier Renault to make a move and, and find a find a solid center back. And the international place that is that is available now that Binks is left is most likely gonna gonna be used for that, you know. Well we, we would hope so, no? 
do, do you want to use another international spot for a defender? I don't want to. I just hope that we're going to get someone from the MLS and get to that international spot, maybe use it for someone up front. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, but I think it's time for, for things to, to, you know, to maybe use yeah. that opportunity to, to build our, our offensive uh, weapons. I don't know. Uh, we'll, mm -hmm. see. we'll see. But we, we put a lot of effort in the offensive part of, of the of the field when we recruited so now maybe you know the the idea would yeah. be maybe on the defense i don't know but it's it's a it's a good point you're bringing there eddie but no, I, I maybe saw it, mm. i maybe saw it one for one you know binks out we find a center back an international center back but you might be right but now in mls it would be interesting you know we don't want a, a journeyman who's gonna come uh, for a year or two i think it's time to because a lot of the system is is based on you know, getting the ball out from the back. So you, you'd like someone who fits exactly in, in what we're trying to do. No? Now, my biggest concern is, uh, like you said, Hadi, Kamal Miller has been injured and is probably still a couple of weeks back from, from returning from injury. And then this comes almost on the doorstep of the Gold Cup. And I think if Kamal Miller is remotely fit, he's going to be called up because we saw what Daniel Henry had to offer as a starting center back. And it was, it was iffy. It was true to Neil Henry uh, with the Canadian men's national team and um, Alistair Johnston, as well as he did in those two matches, he's not a true center back. And it would be great to have that left footed central defender in that back three, if that's what John Herdman wants to go on forward with. So if Kamal Miller is ready to come back from injury, if he's fit and gold, and Herdman decides to select him for the Gold Cup, which I think he will if Miller's fit, yeah, for sure. Then for the sure. situation's actually kind of urgent. Yeah, yeah, you know no, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. But you know, if uh, it's funny because I would like to have Scott Kennedy recruited, but yeah, he's also maybe gonna go to, uh, to the Gold Cup. I was impressed by that guy in the in the Canadian he, national yeah. team. And, and you know what? He's someone that plays in the second division in, in Germany. So I don't think he's gonna cost that much. He's a Canadian. Uh, I would I would take him in a heartbeat, but uh, you know, well, it all depends if he accepts, right? So that's just small. It's hard to bring <laughs> someone back from Europe unless they're ready to come back from Europe. Yeah, there are a lot. We, we managed to bring a lot of Canadians back from Europe here in Montreal. Mm. Some were really good. Others weren't really good. <laughs> but the really good ones, uh, Sam Piet is someone that we brought back from Europe. You can talk about uh, uh, Zoran Bassong that we, we, we brought back from, from Europe. Uh, you have um, the other guys, uh, Petrasso, that wasn't really good. But, you know, oh, yeah. we did that quite a few uh, yeah, times maybe. in the past couple of years. What about this bigger picture? that people talk about guys i mean do, do, do bologna always one here go ahead Addy. yeah i just think also that because binks is also with the whole covid situation maybe he was too far from his family he wasn't able to go there so maybe that that played a part and the other thing about the bigger picture uh maybe olivier renard has a has a plan uh has a plan behind all that I, i'm not sure i'm I just hope that the whole bigger picture takes CF Montreal in charge because if it's only the whole picture, it's it's Bologna that really wants him. I just hope that we're we're just not left with, yeah, you know what, we want him, so just you know, 
give them do whatever you want and you know it's 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 our player either way so f you you know so i hope <laughs> i hope not i hope not yeah well if nothing maybe then we'll see um the benefits of you know whatever joey saputo was going to throw our way given that we made it a free transfer to bologna hmm. maybe we'll see that sooner rather than later yeah Okay, so that's Louis Binks. I think we're probably all disappointed to see him go, but you know, we we realize that maybe there is a bigger well, fingers crossed. There's a bigger picture, and it's all going to work out well. Um, the Euros got underway on Friday, so just a quick comment from everyone on what they've seen so far. Good result for Yuka uh, Raitala and Lassi Lapalainen uh, yesterday, obviously, we've talked about the Christian Eriksen thing. One thing I want to throw out here, I think we saw the worst kit in the Euros today. Austria? Oh, was it not awful? <laughs> I've seen worse in my life. No, it's the worst you've seen in the Euros <laughs> so far, right? Probably, but honestly, all the other kits up until that point had been kind of blase really red and white red yeah and white. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so i was almost like oh good it's something different <laughs> you didn't say good did you I no could, no, I, no I, was, I, was, but... I was not a fan of the but <laughs> no i was like oh at least it's finally something different yeah so guys what what uh, any kind of anything that sort of springs to mind that you've seen over the first three days that you want to throw on the table Oh, it's it's good. I think I think it's been really really good good start to the tournament. It's been it's been really interesting and I mean no. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No no nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Big upsets. Maybe the, the biggest one would be Finland. If, yeah, if oh, it's any. an upset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is an upset. Yeah. But... An upset. but still, it, Denmark wasn't the, the biggest pray either but i really like what i've seen so far and it's been it's been good it's been it's been a tournament feel and i think we needed that after all that covid and stuff you know the feeling that that tournament um, flavor and seeing the fans in the stands it's it's great and the, i only have one thing it's it's a bit and modric modric touched on it when he said that he it's an a, it's an advantage to england playing at home i think that's maybe a question mark that's going to always be following the teams that who do win at home. I agree with that. And I don't like it. Me neither. I think 
that's that's the only that's the only maybe down down part but for the rest it's been it's been excellent we have yeah, quality and, football and it's nice to see yeah and england has such an advantage playing six of this there's seven games at home just in case they yeah. arrive to the final yeah, so so that's a very big advantage like they should have just made the whole euro in england and just be <laughs> done with it you know so i don't know but yeah no i i agree with you but there's one thing i would say about the the euros is uh I, I heard fans booing a referee. I missed that. I really <laughs> missed that. The little things in life. I heard the commentator say that today. Really? Yeah, no I did. I heard the commentator say it today on ITV. Yeah, he said, oh, they're booing a referee. I missed that. <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. So, uh, yeah, indeed. Um, I think the highlight for me, uh, the highlight for me was today, the Dutch game. I really, really oh, that was enjoyed wild. that. But until that, the highlight for me had been uh, Botticelli in the opening ceremony. I oh, thought he was, was it was it was so moving. Yeah. It was incredible. It was absolutely brilliant. It was be better than any of the football until the Dutch game today. I, I, I just <laughs> I just want to apologize to all Italian people listening to this pod. It's Botticelli. Yes, it's did, not did Botticelli. I say Botticelli. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm not a music fan. <laughs> You're just not good with 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 people's names, but it's yeah. okay. Well, not, we we love you. We that. love you still. <laughs> I have all your names written in the back of a cigarette packet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he was amazing. What a what a oh, great it was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah, it was really moving. It was. I, I mean, I watched it at Dor Dorval Golf Club, and everybody in the bar actually stopped and they were watching this. And he was singing, and the fireworks were going off. And once it was over, everybody stood and applauded in the oh, bar. Really? It was incredible. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. 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 <laughs> okay. So um, it's time to introduce our special guest. I'd like to welcome this week's special guest to the Ball is Round. Uh, he came to the U.S. from the former Yugoslavia, played professionally in the old North American Soccer League with and against some fantastic and great names from the sport of football and has worked in coaching for several years in Chicago for his own academy, the Chicago Blast organization, and for the U.S. Soccer Federation. He is the father of CF Montreal midfielder Georgi Mihailovic. Welcome to The Ball is Round, Alex Mihailovic. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, all the hosts. Alex, if I can maybe kick off, it was kind of funny how we met, I suppose, virtually. I'd, I'd seen you following on Twitter, and it was after I'd had a chat with my old friend, Bill Irwin from Donegadee, who was a goalkeeper, Donegadee being my hometown, no one will have heard of that, but um, he was a goalkeeper with Washington Diplomats uh, quite a few years ago. And he'd already told me that he played with you at the Diplomats. So um, a weird three-way connection from, if you like, two lads who started life off in a small Irish town and one who emerged from the former Yugoslavia. And we're all in different places now, of course, Montreal, Chicago, Portland, but such is life, eh? Football, eh? Exactly. Um, well, Billy is a great teammate and, and he's just a sweetheart of a person. I, I love Billy. I love his son as well, who also works for the U.S. Soccer Federation. But I got to tell you, uh, Paul, I, I am so impressed with you guys' show. I, I literally enjoy all the intellect, uh, your, your sense of humor, and just the way the, the way the game is presented, and also all the, all the history of the game that's being brought into your show. It's, you guys have a tremendous, tremendous successful show. 
That's great. It's great to hear that. It's great to have that that acknowledgement. Um, thanks, thanks a lot. The words. Thanks, thanks a lot. lot. So, Alex, tell us a little bit about how you got your opportunity in the old North American Soccer League. Uh, I think you were already here in the U.S., and uh, I don't know if you'd gone on a scholarship, but uh, you got an opportunity with one of the professional clubs, right? Yes. Uh, Chicago State, I was in high school at the time. Uh, Chicago State uh, came, um, was actually inducted into the uh, North American Soccer League at the time. It was 1975, and... Bill Folks, who was a coach, you know, Manchester United guy, um, mm -hmm. invited me to try out and eventually asked me to, uh, to sign a contract. Uh, but my dad, unfortunately, uh, at the time, and fortunately for later, was the greatest thing I ever did, was at the time to go to college. So he talked me out of it and um, you know, went down to Jacksonville to play and on a scholarship. And uh, four years later, I was drafted by the Washington Diplomats. Uh, I was an All-American down there, led of the country in scoring and assists and, and um, did some great things. But, you know, I was able to, to help this university, you know, get, get to a pretty good level. It was uh, really exciting days for the old North American Soccer League at the time you were playing for the, for the dips, right? I mean, some, Johan Cruyff was a, was a Washington diplomat player. Were you there at the same time or did you just miss him? I, I got there. And I wore number 14 because of Johan Cruyff. And when Johan Cruyff was brought into uh, to the diplomats, I was like the most excited person in the entire world. So obviously the 14 went back to him. <laughs> and then I went, I went from my uniform into a cast uh, that was supposed to be there. I was supposed to go to Germany um, and, and sign there. But unfortunately, this, this surgery, this injury that, that I had, um, I ripped a deltoid ligament into my ankle. And if you know much about it, uh, like when Boston went through it, 85% of the time mm. when you have this damage, your career is over. And that's what happened here. So there was no tug of war between you and Johan for the 14 shirt? No. No. Like, <laughs> I, I just adore him. You know, the other guy that I adore at the time was Georgie Best. I mean, I, I can't, I can't express to people. And everybody's talking about Pele at the time and Johan Cruyff and Beckenbauer. But Georgie Best was at a completely different level as well. This is one of the top five players I've ever played a game, and people will not know that. So were you on a field with these guys? Were you on a field with George Best or Beckenbauer or any of these guys? Rodney Marsh at the Rowdies, perhaps? Rodney Marsh, yeah. Uh, George, I was on, on the bench. Uh, obviously, with Beckenbauer, um, I, I was supposed to get in, and you know, I got hurt like a week before we went to New York. Um, I broke the ankle and then, like I said, I ripped this deltoid ligament and um, went on injections for a year and a half. Uh, I, I signed with uh, with Jacksonville team and after that, I went on waivers and you know, eventually signed with the team and um, and that's where Jean Pierre and Salif Keita Alicia uh, became. Those guys were my roommates and teammates and tremendous friends. But the diplomats will always be my 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 main team because mm -hmm. of relationship I had like with Billy and everybody else, Alan Green and Tommy O'Hara, Jimmy Steele at the time. These are great players. Yeah, there was, a kind of, there was a kind of Southampton connection there, wasn't there? Jim Steele and you had the goalkeeper and Bobby Stokes who scored Bobby the goal Stokes. in the cup final. Yeah. Yes, great players. Just for the young the, the young uh, auditors that don't know uh, Franz Reckenbauer, everybody knows him as a Marseille player, right? <laughs> <laughs> and in a Marseille coach also. Well. Okay, I, I said my piece. <laughs> he is special. He was a tremendous player. I mean, I remember watching the game 
in New York, and he he led the left winger like 35 yards ahead of him, and the ball comes right back into him. A long chip, and the ball just comes right back in. And people are going, what the heck was that? And he does it again. I mean, he's just a brilliant player. But, uh, you know, also, you know, I had a great relationship with Eddie Fermani. And we had a we had one night we were at Eddie's house down in, uh, in in Florida, and my wife and his wife you know they went to sleep and Eddie started talking and I started talking football. This is about one o'clock in the morning and this conversation then went to about three o'clock that that morning. And you know one of the things that he asked me was you know who is who do you think is the best sweeper at the time or center back? And I said I would imagine Franz and he goes not even close. And I said, who? It was Carlos Alberto. I said, did you ever see mm. Carlos Alberto give a ball away? And I said, I think, my God, I never saw this man give the ball away, a bad pass. Carlos Alberto, right. the great Brazilian, 1970 captain, right? Absolutely. He was another football mind, another genius. And he played for the Cosmos, right? He did. So, so he brought in, Eddie brought in um, both of them, and Fran was out. He put him as a, as a six, and... And then he put uh, Carlos right behind him. It's, can you imagine trying to go through that? So, so I, 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 yeah, I, I know you have a Pele story, uh, and it wasn't about playing with him, but I think it was <laughs> after you were working along with uh, Bora Milutinovic, perhaps. Was that when? No, it, it was a little bit before uh, Bora, right before that, uh, a few years before that. Um, and my, my agent, Frank Pace, who has a, a book, If Your Lips Can Talk, it's a tremendous uh, life story life lessons of experiences that he put together with soccer and the blend of relationship with Frank Sinatra and John Wayne and some of some of the tremendous actors in all time. Uh, Frank, I think he was nominated like six times for Emmy for all the shows that he'd done for Warner Brothers and Disney. Well, my first time after I came out of a cast, it was 1980 and, and uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers were playing New York Cosmos. And um, I came back to, uh, to this to this party, an ASL party in downtown DC the night before, and ha was having a tremendous time. And um, like an hour later, um, Frank was coming with me, and I said, "No, Frank, I'm just got got to see my friends. I haven't seen him in over a year." He goes, "No, we're leaving. I'm cussing at him, I'm cussing <laughs> at him." He goes, "Grab your coat." So I grabbed my coat, and I'm still cussing at him. We're walking outside. There's a limousine sitting there. And I'm cussing at him, and he throws me into the limousine. I look up, and Pelé's sitting in the back. <laughs> and I look at him. I look at Frank, and he just got this ridiculous smile. And I said, you bastard. I bet you forgot about your friends pretty quickly that that's I did. <laughs> unbelievable. What, yeah. a, what a great human this is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Listen, uh, tell us a couple of names you mentioned there. Um, Salif Keita, the great Malian, uh, who, who had a great career in France with Saint-Étienne, um, and, and Jean-Pierre Tocoto, who, who was part of the Cameroon 82 World Cup squad. You roomed with these guys when you were at Jacksonville, right? How good That's were these right. guys? Well, Salif Keita, there was a uh, Paulo's book a few years back. Um, Salif Keita was listed as one of the top 200 players ever. I mean, you're talking about Victor Moreland. You're talking about Rodney Marsh, Carl Heitz, uh, Granitza, Pato Mahedek, Arnold Stefan, Alan Green, Bobby Irushi from, from Toronto, and Cameron Marcantonio from Toronto, Nino Zetz from, from Belgrade, Bogicevic from Red Star Belgrade, um, Kinalia, George Best, Johan Cruyff, 
Steve Wagner, these, these, these were tremendous players. This mm-hmm. league was just loaded. The Cosmos at the time was the best, loaded best team in the world with, with the type of players they had. It was a relationship between Warner Bros. And, and, and I forgot what the other um, motion picture industry. So whoever got one, they were also tuning for another one. So it was a battle between these two giants who's going to have the best team. And obviously Warner Brothers won. But the league was insane. Um, the problem was there was only two, two or three teams that had these great players, and the rest of the league was it was not balanced out well. Um, but these were these guys are tremendous players, tremendous players. Uh, and and I, I know that you know uh, improvisation of the game has kind of left us a little bit. But at the time, this was the, the one of the greatest generations ever you know, of skilled players. Yeah. Yeah, all really great players. Now, going just, further... just to go back real quick uh, about Salif Keita. Salif yeah. Keita and I, when when uh, when a team in were um, transferred down from New England to Jacksonville, you know, there were two African gentlemen in um, standing there when everybody's getting roommates and so on, and these two guys were standing there and nobody wants to take it. I'm like, okay, come here, you two guys. If you want a roommate, you guys can room with me. And uh, I had a, already a, a three bedroom apartment, so. It, of us were really comfortable and became really, really good friends. We Leo Ramos, who's a young man, uh, African kid from Brazil, and and then um, Salif. And Salif and I became really, really close. And every day, we would just, just hang together and, and talk football. And the football that he spoke, obviously, was at a, at a different level. So I love them. And uh, Salif actually ran to become the president of, of, of uh, Cameroon, I mean, uh, Mali at one time. Yeah, that's right. He got involved in politics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, after your playing career, um, you studied coaching with the with the German association. Tell us a bit uh, how the opportunity arose. No, I never coached with the German association. I was exposed to it at a very, very oh. young age. Yes. Okay. That's when uh, Germany came in to Chicago to play. And that's when I was introduced to uh, Seb Herberger. And Seb Herberger is, you know, the godfather of German football mm. coaching. Um, so a year later, um, well, actually the way that this, this, this event took place was it was in, uh, at a stadium in Chicago where the Germans were training. I was introduced to SEP and, and I was asked a couple of questions. Um, I was first brought to, to be, to see if SEP can get me, help me in Germany to play by a friend of mine who made the introduction and SEP, SEP asked me a couple of questions and I answered one. And he, he asked this question with this, you know, arrogant smile, confident smile, I should say. And I answered that question. He asked me another one. And I answered that question, the third one. It was, it was all about space related. And I asked the third question. A smile went away. And he turned to my friend. He goes, Herbie, this kid's got to go to Cologne. And Herbert goes, and that's the coaching education school for German football. And Herbert turned around to him and goes, no, he's a great, great player. He's a tremendous winger and you know, so on and so forth. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He goes, no, this kid. Yeah, so this this old man smelled, you know, sensed this 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 quality that I, that potentially could have. And I, two years later, I was sitting there following over out in the floor. It was you know, some of the German great players, midfielders in, in Cologne. Yeah. And Herberger was the first coach of the German national team, the West German national that, team. Yes, yes, yes. He's yeah. big time. Yeah, a, a big name now. Afterwards, uh, more recently, of course, you were involved with uh, Boram Militinovic that you talked yes. about a, a bit earlier. Uh, just for people who don't know, he managed five different teams in five different World Cups, which is like an amazing, um, amazing feat. Um, and he took both Costa Rica and USA to the World Cup finals with you in, 90, in 1990 and in 1994. Uh, did you know him for a while or uh, no. you, know, you met him later in your career, in, in your life? Correct. It was a. It was eighty nine, ninety. It was mm-hmm. the last um, tune up game for Costa Rica. It happened to be in Chicago, and I was introduced to him by one of his former teammates and uh, uh, at the time a director of Adidas in in Paris, I believe it was. Um, Blagoje Vidinich was the first godfather of African football. So there were teammates when they were younger, and uh, and Borat immediately took a liking and thought there was something here and brought me under his wing. Um, I helped him put together the last 26 players for, for Costa Rica, uh, which he had tremendous success on. This is right after he had great success with Mexico in 86. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then a year later, you know, we were all here in the Federation working, looking to, to help get a new coach. And we worked really hard again. Hank Sambricher was the one to pull the trigger and brought more. And, and, um, you know, he was uh, absolutely the perfect person for the, at the time for, for our national team here. And, but we became really close and, you know, he was taught by Rebo Saki, um, and the, the defensive concept that he learned, you know, Boris shared with me. And this is where I learned my defensive concept of, uh, tactics, tactics going forward and vertically and horizontally. Wow. Wow. Now, tell us a bit more about your current roles in soccer. You are scouting for the U.S. Soccer Federation. You're running SAFE Foundation, just SAFE Foundation, and uh, the Chicago Blast uh, Coaching Academy. So you have quite a big bit of a hectic schedule. So tell us a bit more about about uh, about those roles. Yeah, I mean, about t- t- 10, 10 years ago, it was really hectic. You hit it right on the head. I mean, all of that was going on. The Safe Foundation was born. Uh, I did a, a a camp for kids who were in a place called Cabrini Green in Chicago. And Cabrini Green is one of the worst areas that there is. It's like a war zone. Mm-hmm. And I decided to do a camp for about 500 um, African-American children. And it was picked up by Gatorade. It was picked up by the Chicago Tribune. And because of this, I, I then... Um, started a safe foundation. Safe foundation stands for soccer art for education. This was 1987 when I officially started this, and it's still going on. We're still helping underprivileged children with opportunity to to um, to better their life and, and and in the game and outside the game. 
but uh, my 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 coaching with U.S. Soccer Adult was was really really heavy and strong, and um, we impacted all of the United States. I conducted coaching education and, and, and certifying coaches. You know, several thousand coaches I certified. I'm proud of um, to be a friend to every one of these candidates, um, but. The last year or two, I slowed things down considerably, and especially when Georgie was, um, you know, getting into his older years, you know, I was there with him to try to help him and doing some guidance. So the club is still running. Soccer Made America training organization I started in 1984 is still running, and you know, I'm, I'm happy what I'm doing. So your whole your whole life really has been steeped in in soccer and football, right? It's been steeped. I, yeah. You know, that's the only job I know. Paul, yeah. Is yeah. That's the only job I had my whole life. Wow. <laughs> and it's a, it's a great, it's been a great life. And let's talk about the football nowadays. Uh, what yeah. is your view on the increased focus on systems in the game? Do you think that sometimes offensive players are too focused on tactics, uh, on tactics and systems versus using their, their instincts and flair sometimes? Or, or do you think that it's a non-issue? I think it's... You know, when you when you have generations like if you have, if you remember back with the French teams, you know, in the eighties and nineties, you know, these were tremendous teams that died in beauty. Mm -hmm. You know, the Brazilian team in '94 was not that team. It was the most hated Brazilian team ever because they didn't play samba style. They played tactical defensive line, and you know, their coach was booed by the Brazilians. Um, when the nineties came in. You know, France showed a different style of game, more complete game. You know, um, one of my favorite players, you're going to be surprised, is Robert Perez. Uh, I, I think I adore him. Amazing guy. player. Amazing I player, think, for sure. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I love him. He's an elegant player. He's, he's, he's a tremendous team player. He can improvise. He can finish. He can do just about everything. And I know people talk about courts and so on. This is a This is a team player that you need. You know, this is something that, Maybe we can talk about later, but when we get to Montreal, but this is a tremendous, tremendous weapon, genius to me. And I know Platini is a favorite of France and so on, but to me, this is a great player. So uh, you mentioned him not too long ago, so uh, we'll definitely start turning our eyes toward Montreal and specifically, uh, I guess, the reason you're most interested in Montreal these days, your son, Georgie. So did you ever have the thought that Georgie was going to be a pro while he was playing at the youth levels? And if so, you know, how old was he when you had that kind of realization? Well, I'll tell you, he was four years old when we were down in Melbourne, Florida. And it was like 96 degrees. And we we're like maybe 30, 40, 30 yards away from the beach line, sitting down and I'm looking at Georgie, he picked up these rocks and start tossing them into the ocean. And then like maybe half an hour later, he'd come back and get a sip of water and then go back and start tossing these rocks or shells, whatever it was in the ocean. And then it caught my eye and I started realizing you know, what it takes for little kids to do that over and over, that kind of heat. That's mm -hmm. tremendous concentration and focus. When he was two years old, you can literally see his coordination um, and then as he got older, you, you know, he was, he's very intelligent. That's number one. He's, he's a very, very, very intelligent kid. Uh, I, I knew that 
he had something very special. However, at the time, the U.S. soccer youth um, national team group it was skeptical because he was smaller, he was skinnier. You know, his, yeah. all his teammates were taller. Uh, once he filled in, once he you know got out of got into puberty, and once he got to it, then all of a sudden you know his physically started to mature and so on. Um, he, you know, people started taking notice of him. And when he was at the, at the finals at the US, Youth National or US, USA, whatever the, uh, the tournament was, a uh, um, academy tournament that they had in LA, you know, he was one of the best players there meeting up and got all the key, key goals scored on just about every every level. And in fact, they, I think against Montreal Toronto, he scored a couple of goals in the, in the finals. Uh, and he was a couple of years younger than everybody. So, yeah, at the academy level, is very, very, very successful. Um, you know, the FC Academy, uh, when they won a national championship, was brought into the residency program for the national team. And, um, you know, that's when the conversations of should he go to college or should he should he go to sign a professional contract with, uh, with the Chicago Fire um, yeah. began? And, you know... We were very, my, family, my wife and I were strong academically driven for him. And then he got a chance to go to Atletico Madrid and train with them. And uh, that was the, the main point. He had a tremendous camp there. Um, Atletico wanted to sign him. The fire got a hold of that. They brought him back immediately. And, you know, the, the fact that Basti Schweinsteiger was coming in, I had a feeling that these two guys would develop a great relationship. And, Basti mm-hmm. took him under his wing on the first day until Basti retired four years later. Oh, that's great. But a, the fact that the, the fact that Atletico was was wanted to sign him was a confirmation from him that he he, he should go pro. And he, the deal that he and I made was that he takes online classes and uh, started doing it. And now he's kind of stopped because of you know the, the transition to Montreal, but. That was that was the, the most important thing, and and that validated everything. Oh, for sure, absolutely. You get attention from a, a massive club like that. You get intent. Yeah. Um, you know for for sure that things are moving in the right direction for Georgie, and yeah. we've seen that we've seen the fruits of that now for sure. So, um, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Georgie himself he also suffered a, a really unfortunate injury in 2017 while he was playing for Chicago. Were you at the stadium that night? I was. He. It was. Uh, it was something I told him. I said, "Don't tackle from behind." I warned him a couple of times, and he did go from behind. He got his one of the feet uh, stuck into the ground, and when he tried to get up, is I think that's when it it tore. But uh, unfortunately, it was only maybe four or five players that were there. The other guys checked out, and these four or five players, including George, were busting their tails off. And uh, he was running and running and running, and he tried to do the best he could. And unfortunately, suffered an injury. And you know, the, the European opportunities were put on pause for a couple of years or, or for a year until he got back. And and you know, Chicago tried to resign him to a new contract a couple of times, but you know that that was not going to work out because they were devaluing him, and he was not going to accept what they were offering. And um, Unfortunately, it didn't work out for them. And I, I absolutely love the owner. The owner's a great guy. But uh, the, the, the best thing could have happened was to go to Montreal. So I'm 
glad to hear it sort of worked out for the best in the end, even though I'm sure that was a really difficult time um, at the time the injury occurred. But you've been to Montreal before. And what are your thoughts on the city? And why did you think this was the, the best move for Georgie? Well, first of all, the city is incredible. Uh, what makes the city great are the people. Um, I was exposed to Montreal about uh, 15 years ago um, when um, Mr. John Gilman and John Prevost, the inventors of Field Turf, uh, invited me to come up and get involved with their, with their, with their project. I, I did some consulting for them for a couple of years. Um, and that's the, that was my first exposure to Montreal. Um, one of my mentors was Hank Steinbrich, or Hank was uh, a person who was very much instrumental in bringing the 94 World Cup to the United States. And of course, MLS was involved with Dan Garber and the whole group. Um, he, he's been a great mentor and Hank was also involved with, with Field Turf at the time. So my first visit was just, I just felt like I was in Europe. It was just, mm -hmm. just the way the people interact. Yeah. yeah, I love the people there. A lot of um, people the, say the, the thing exact is, same thing about Montreal. <laughs> I've, I honest to God, I've heard this and I, I experienced it. So it's not like somebody just saying it to say it. it's the truth. It's a great city. I trust you. Wonderful city. No, glad <laughs> to hear it. Glad to hear it. So um, before Georgie made the move to Montreal, what did you think about the franchise? And now that he's part of the team, has your opinion changed? No, the, what, what I like about them, you know, they have great football minds, in my opinion. Um, they know talent, and I think they know how to manage talent. Um, I, I think there's something to be said when, when a coach retires as a footballer and becomes a coach without going to the coaching education uh, pyramid. Uh, I think those are certain set of eyes, but I think coaches who go to the coaching education pyramid and do it from ground up and become a coach, I think they're they're very impactful. And I think this is going to happen with uh, Coach Nancy. I think he's coming from that side. And I really respect that side from coaching. That you put your time in to develop every little cone, every little strategic plan and experiment it, you know, 100 million times over and over. Because one thing Bora and I did was we, we, we ran out of napkins. Every restaurant we went to, there were no more napkins because of all the tactical <laughs> formations that we, we put down or are in flight. Um, I saw him a few couple of years ago in, in, in uh, Valencia in Spain. The first thing we do is grab napkins. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. The guy's a genius too. But going back to Montreal, I, I, I think, um, and, and I kind of mentioned this, you know, one of the things that, that Paul asked me because why do you think about this team that can be good? And I, I think there's enough athleticism. I think there's enough talent and football intelligence to put together a successful team they can, they can win. They can be successful. Mm -hmm. I think this is a great. They assemble a great team here, or or about to put together a good team. And you know, one of my one of the guys that I really like uh, is Sam, obviously. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, Sam is is uh, just a part of it. And I think there's something special in that in the relationship between Sam and Victor and George. I mean, where do you have a number 10 player who runs eight miles a game? That's a, he's he's got a bottomless fountain of energy, I think. Yeah, uh, so now that you're talking about Sam Piet, uh, we, we heard that you really like him. So can, can you elaborate a bit on this? And what, what do you really like yeah. in Sam uh, Piet? I, what I like, uh, 
in Sam, uh, I, I think he plays smart football. He doesn't over dribble. He doesn't over kill. He plays intelligent football. Now you have three guys with Victor and George that play the same game, but also work. They track back. They defend. They help the back line. I, I think that relationship is one of our best, can be potentially one of our best relationships in MLS. Mm. I think what needs to happen is the relationship with the outside and the wing and the wing areas. And obviously the back line is starting to become more solidified. Uh, as they become more sealed, they're, they're going to win games. Um, and I think, you know, you've got a, a pretty good young forward. It's that that's proven himself to be very, very instrumental in deciding games from up front. But I think once the wide areas come together, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With those three in front of the back line, um, they, they are full of football knowledge. We've had a lot of, uh, of guests who came in and we always ask the question, who, which player would you take in a heartbeat, you know, in, in your team? And Sam has come, I think, 80% of the time. And we're always a bit surprised because we hear a lot of criticism on, on Sam in Montreal, you know, but he's loved everywhere in MLS outside of Montreal. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. But Sam without the other two is not the same. No, of course not. And that's that's or that's Victor, the or George. I think what would make Sam a good player is those three players together. Yeah. Because if you look at their record against a stronger competition, they haven't lost too many games. Mm. True, you're right. When they're on on the pitch together, because yeah. they 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 really track back over and over extremely well, and they interchange from transition moments extremely well. And so effectively, and you know, between Victor Sam helping the back line, you know, they're keeping balls out of the back in the net, allowing Morphin for the back line to build. That, yeah. I mean, that's just my my just observation. No, it's I think those it's really two guys together. Yeah, that's just my take on it. And this was a similar situation I had, you know, with Bora when he brought thirty six players to when he took Costa Rica to to Italy. Um, he brought in. He brought in two teams, and there was the first night that he, that he that used was the old experienced team, uh, who who didn't function well, lost to a team from Mexico, it was a tune-up game, and stunk up the place. And then the next time he brought in the, the other group, the younger group, and they lit up the place. And he basically asked me what my thought was between the two, and I said, "Get rid of these old guys." And he said, "If I do that, they're gonna." 
string me up in, in Costa Rica. I said, are you going back to Costa Rica? Said, no. I said, get rid of him. Wow. So he did. He goes, the media going to roast me. Said, Who cares about the media? They're not putting the ball away from me. They're funny. <laughs> Go with the young with the engine. And that's pretty much what this team r- reminds me of. They're young, they're hungry, and then there's enough experience of talent, you know, with, with, with those three, especially, the, and of course, the back line, you've got you got guys in the back that are highly experienced as well. Yeah. You know, two out of three for sure. So I, I, if you put those pieces together, I think, I think they can be special. And let's say, let's say a bit more of an overall view, maybe tactically or how, how the, the team has played, because they've played more in a sure. very similar system since the start of the season. What, what's, what's have been your observations and how have you liked what you've seen since the start of the year? That's a, such a great question. I, I really like our sporting director. I think he's Me building too. a team <laughs> with, with a 3-5-2 and 5-2-3. Um, the team is built for this. That's why those three guys play such an important role. Um, I, I think tactically, they're spot on. Are they executing? You know, are they tracking balls in certain moments in a, in a, inside the box, inside the 18? Obviously, we can improve that, and it's improved. The last couple of games showed. Um, you know, the, the wide positions are give you so much freedom, and you can you can see the appreciation by the clubs, the style of play that that these two gentlemen have, you know, the sporting director and our head coach have implemented is really beautiful football and and and, and right moments. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some sloppiness here and there. You know, there's some injuries. You're gonna take one out. You know, and I think when you take one of those three pieces in the middle, it kind of kind of not the same until until those guys are back on and that's the kind of relationship i think they they're looking for or the team is looking for is on, on wide areas to provide a dynamic movement the speed and athleticism mm-hmm. that they have yeah i think they can be dangerous and uh, alex i'm curious to know what you think about the squad rotation that uh, with Nasi has in place do you think that it's something positive as it keeps everyone involved or do you think that at some point it's going to hurt the team because it's a bit harder to find a certain cohesion with a squad that is often changing um, tremendous question um, I, i think i think the coach is doing the right thing in rotating players the beginning the beginning of the season to see and to give everybody an opportunity to show their qualities, to show their strengths, and to really show how they can fit into the into this style of play. Uh, but at some point, you know, you're going to have to put together your your first 11 plus your first next three or four into this um, and then become a little more solid. And, you know, with the three players together that, that we spoke about earlier, I, I think it showed a lot of, a lot of success and, Uh, I, I think he's doing a great, great job and a right job and giving every, every player an opportunity. Um, you know, the one thing that I, you can learn from is the Atlanta game. You know, your the last 10 minutes of the game, uh, there was a lot of attention on Georgia. You know, individually, uh, I think the team spent an hour rehearsing how to protect against them. And when he was not on the pitch, you know, I think Atlanta got a little bit of more freedom to go forward. And I think it, it cost us a little bit, but you know that that was a great game. I mean, it was oh, a heck yeah. of a yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was a really good game. But I, I do I do like the way these two gentlemen are running this club. It, it just feels like football. It feels yeah. really good. Yeah, 
Yeah, we we feel. I I, I think it's a it's a sentiment that a lot of fans have, have felt recently is that they, they they feel a lot of you know they feel safe in a sense with the, these men driving the team and maybe before we were doubting a bit how how administration was was working, but I think right now we we can say that the team is is in good hands and that's you know it's reassuring for us fans you know you should be proud of it you know and you know i know there was a logo change um <laughs> but it's still montreal it's still it's still the club you know and we have a a legend that, that appeared in a, at a practice the other day and, it, and it's one of my favorite mm. players of all time uh he's such a great mls player and an argentinian player for a club in argentina um It's a class player. I mean, can you imagine those four, those four guys in the pitch? Oh. Oh my God. <laughs> It's a dream, isn't it? Eh? Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to imagine that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I hope that Montreal will and, and it, it will get behind the team. And you know, ironic thing. I mean, really ironic thing. This was George's first start as Montreal, and, and then his first start again after he came back after a knee injury was in Montreal. Um, so there was a little bit of a connection there. Great. I there's some, on my mother's side, there's some, some French in her, which we thought she was nuts. But <laughs> then we found out it's actually she's not. So a few hundred years ago, this came from somewhere in France. Wow, that's great. I wish I learned how to speak French. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough language to learn, though, you know, but everyone is able to. I, I went to Milos's restaurant downtown, old, old Montreal, and Had the best time, and it was made. It was so funny to see the Greeks speak French. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I loved it. Oh uh, yeah, and listen, it's been it's been a really really cool chat. Thank you so much. But before we let you go, Alex, I have to ask you one thing. You know, sure. given your, the breadth of your experience in soccer at all levels, as a player, coach, scout, and most of all, a parent of a professional player, I want you to give some advice to the parents of aspiring players and you know we yes. still hear a lot of these these um these stories of like nightmare rides home after a game where it's like hectic in the car and you didn't play well and you know what would you say to parents who are you know parenting a, an aspiring football player professional well there's there's a couple of things i would tell them um a lot of Uh, clubs, uh, soccer coaches, organizations, they teach skills or they teach tactics. And when you're teaching somebody to play football, you teach them both. So you should have six to seven components being taught at the same time. Because you don't teach one. If you don't, you become a juggler and not a footballer. And when you teach, uh, when you teach the game, you've got to teach everything that goes on inside the game. That's the way the training session. So any skill that you teach, number one, should be game-related. If it doesn't work in the game, don't don't use that stuff. It's never going to work. So it doesn't belong in a game, don't use it. It's number one. From a psychosocial component, um, it, you've got to know your own child. You know, you've got to feel. I mean, I've, you know, I've had those conversations with George, you know, the good ones, the bad ones, and everything in between. And You know, you can, you're going to know how far to push, but you can't over push on any side. You know, you've got to give them the, give them the, the coaching cues and get out of it and just put that day behind. You know, it might've been a bad day. It might've been a 
injury, somebody's hiding. I know Georgie used to hide injuries all the time. And, uh, you know, that, that's one thing about, I'm going to tell you about Georgie is that, you know, if he has a bad game, that means something's not going right because he's not going to tell you. And he's, he's, he's hiding something because he, he never had a bad game in the MLS until, unless he was hurting or if he came off the sideline. Uh, all the other games that he played were, were tremendous games and he helped his team. I mean, he, you know, in, in, in steals and in, in, in assists and possession, he's always the top. But, you know, these were thoughts that were learned. These were moments that were learned when he was eight, nine, ten, and how to handle these moments. But you, you can't go overboard on, 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 on just beating the kid down. You cannot do that. You've got to pick him up and then give yourself a 24-hour rule. And after 24 hours, you're going to look at the day before what took place a little bit differently than, than you are when you heat it up as a parent. Give it a moment, let it let things cool down, and then use that as a, mo as a teaching moment and, and just how to improve those things. Super. That's, oh, that's great a, advice, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a great... Well, we, never got talk, we never got to talk about how great George Best was. I want to hear from you how great you want to hear from me oh well it's you know what <laughs> how long have you got these guys will these guys will string me up um yeah george is obviously my hero is delighted to hear you mention him uh earlier as well uh for me there's there's never been anyone like him uh on a football field so i was glad to hear your endorsement actually because i keep telling these guys the same thing but i think there's they think I'm some old codger who doesn't know what I'm talking about, but it's great to hear you say the same thing. So, Listen, uh, Paul, I'm happy. I got my Robert Pires thing, so I'm very happy. He gave me uh, what I wanted. He gave me a Marseille player. Thank you very much, Alex. You know what, Alex? Yeah, you're it's very it. welcome. But I'll tell you what we'll do. When you get up to Montreal, we'll talk about George Best all night. How's that? That, that, that won't be it. a problem. You got it. Yeah. yeah I'd be happy to. Yeah. So, I, so listen, I cannot thank you guys enough. Oh, listen, we can't, we can't thank you enough. I mean, it's been great to have you on. Um, it, I'm, we're so happy that you agreed to come on. We've enjoyed the chat and um, we do look forward to seeing you uh, up here in Montreal, hopefully when all the, uh, the travel restrictions are lifted and uh, hopefully you'll come back to see us on the ballers round as well. Yeah. Well, Listen, Georgie's in your hands now. You've got a, a guy that's loyal to the badge, loyal to the club, loyal to his teammates. And take care of him, love him, enjoy him. And he's, he, he's going to love Montreal when he gets there. He's looking forward to it. I cannot thank you enough for allowing me to uh, spend some time with you and, and talk about football, especially for people I respect so much. And what a great job you guys do with this show. Thank you. I think it's been a pleasure for all of us. So, um, so thanks, thanks again, uh, Alex. It's been great. Okay, so now it's time for Sam's social media. Yes, and there was a lot on social media this week because there was Euros, there was obviously CF Montreal, that there's always a lot of chatter on the, on the, the hashtag. There was the Canadian men national team. So it was a bit difficult to find the five best, but I think we've got some really good ones. And it starts with uh, Pepto Black on Twitter, who says, yep, Haiti is no Suriname. I love that. I, I really love that because, you know, we really have a tendency to be a bit arrogant, you know, in Canada saying, oh, it's Haiti. It should be easy. But, you know, guys, no, 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 no. Have you Haiti. watched the Canadian men's national team? <laughs> have you watched? Exactly. This decade? 
against exactly yeah. exactly so i like that because okay just i know pepto black is he's he's a, he's a montreal uh haitian guy so he he likes both uh <laughs> he likes the canadian national team but of course he also likes his 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 national team too his 80 so Yes, of course. We knew it was going to be a tough opponent, and I'm happy that people are realizing that. I know I just can't understand that people are not realizing that Haiti is a tough opponent. For opponent, uh, they're not easily beaten, not at all. Even against Mexico, against the U.S., it's always hard uh, for 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 the bigger teams in the Concacaf region to beat Haiti. So I was happy to read that. With yeah, someone on last week as well, didn't we? Say, um, singing the praises of Suriname, there was someone last yeah, week. Said, yeah, 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 yeah. But that didn't prove that that didn't uh, pan out for him, unfortunately. Mm. But, yeah. Awkward. <laughs> it was a bit awkward. Yeah. Um, there's a, you know, there was the the picture of uh, Pietti at uh, the Montreal training this weekend. We saw Express Dunlop on Twitter who asked, "What are the chances that Pietti comes back for another season?" Oh my God, I would cry. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it, it was so tough to see him leave. I wouldn't want to, to go through that again, I think. <laughs> Once is enough. But then, huh? but we could say proper goodbye. Like, we know it was goodbye, you know? Chances are nil, because that's not where the oh, club's yeah. going. No. Oh, God, no, no, but, no, no, no. Humanly but, impossible. But, but to your point, your point, he's got to come back for some kind of charity or whatever. Yeah, he's got to come just, back for a game. Just for adulation. For- just Just to be adored. He's got to come yeah. back and say goodbye. You know, yeah, I, agree. I agree with Paul. I agree with Paul. But just to be honest, like if we were a bit serious, like. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I hate comebacks. I just don't like them. No. I, I hate comebacks. Uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, but Patrice, it was different. <laughs> was it no, was, I'm poking fun at you. Yeah, no, because Patrice, it was different. It was completely a different club at another level completely. And so he went to a higher level and then he came back. And he to came that back, he was almost on, in his prime, you know, Patrice. Mm. Came back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, so I completely no, agree. Yeah, but Piatti, you know, I, you know, I, I will always cherish the moments that I that I lived with him in the team, and I don't want him to come back on just one one exactly. feet and and just underperform and me being very disappointed. Yeah, watching, kind of, watching a, 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 a half of a of a Nacho Piatti. It would kind of tarnish, I think, um, the beautiful image that we all have of him in our heads and in our hearts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that one. So sorry, Express Dunlop. So the chances are probably no. Uh, moving on, we have Eric Chenois on Twitter. He says, honestly, Binks didn't break anything in MLS. 
A good half season amplified by the fact that we had no expectations towards him. His second half season was punctuated by weird decisions and doubtful performances. Serie A, not for now. Another loan is possible. What's your view on that, guys? I want to hear Paul. Yeah, I, I actually, the comment's not a bad comment. And, and um, he came into our team, Louis Binks, and he did well at the outset. I, I thought... I thought, yes, the latter part of last season, not not sure if it was bad decisions, but I, I he, he was not playing in a, in a good defence either. And and I think there was a lot of frustration crept into his game. Um, I think Louis Binks probably learned a lot through that, but he picked up an awful lot of yellow cards. He was a, he was a bit uh, impetuous with some of his challenges. Um, you know, he probably, if he'd been thinking about his game a little bit more, it would have been different and, and he would have done better. Um, I still think he can be a very good player. I'm not sure if he's ready for Serie A, um, but I, I still think he'd be a very, very good player. And if he was staying in MLS or he was to come back, I'd be quite happy about it. Yeah. With another team? No, no, with us. No. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> with, 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 with Montreal. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like the last part of his comment. Uh, uh, another loan is possible. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a loan in Europe to maybe, I wouldn't say a lower league, uh, like not in the second division in Italy, because I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think that maybe if he goes to uh, League One or he goes to Bundesliga or he goes to, uh, you know, uh, Portugal or, or something mm -hmm. like that, I think that would be a pretty good uh, thing for, for Louis Banks. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm not, or or he can be a, a fourth defender in the Bologna defense and just play, you know, five to ten games during the year with Bologna. That that could be a good thing too. But I think he needs to play more games. So I hope another loan is possible for him because he needs to play. He's a young lad and he needs he needs to have uh, games. So do you, do you think they've brought him back, Bologna, because they 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 want to loan him to a European club rather than stick him into their first team squad? No, I think I think I think he was. Um, I think he wanted to go back to Europe just to be closer to his family. That's what I feel. I have no inside information. I have no. I haven't talked to Louis and or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Cool. So um... Bologna, by the way, Bologna have a, a left-sided defender who's Scottish. Which might yeah, be, yeah, he's excellent, you know? excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and don't nope. forget, guys. Don't forget, guys. That uh, don't forget. Or I, I don't. I'm not sure if you saw that, but it seems that Marko Arnautovic deal to Bologna is is done. So just to let you know, it has been announced today. Uh, wow. Not official, By official, Bologna? but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Arnautovic to Bologna. So uh, Bologna, uh, yeah. So a lot of people were saying maybe a two way contract with a couple of years in Bologna and then in Montreal. Not sure oh. if that's gonna. Well, that's just kind of like charity then. So <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good. It was a good day to announce it after his goal it at was, the Euros, yeah. right? Yeah, true, true. So uh, we have Yannick Masikot on Twitter who says, uh, "And if the Euro 2020 brought all Montreal's Montreal fans back together, I hope it does. Let's watch the games together." I think it was referring to the, the rebrand emfc versus cf montreal fans and i think he's right you know at some point in montreal is such a such a european in a way a city that you know everyone can can sort of come together and and watch the euros and love it and you know just put that 
that part uh, away that that's very negative in a sense that that sort of war that there is between the 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 two yeah. the two sides you know I like Yannick. He 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 wrote a couple of articles to to with to 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 culture soccer and uh, mm. and he's a very nice guy and uh, yeah I, I love his comment. I just hope that one day we're just gonna you know go back to supporting our club. But I understand that people are feeling very strong well, about this and mm -hmm. and I I'm not gonna judge them. So I don't know though if the Euros are the the tournament that will bring him back because there's so many different nationalities of the European nationalities represented in Montreal that we've exactly. got Italians, we've got Anglos, we've got the, the French of France. So there's still a lot of rivalry there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wish that everybody's caught up watching the Euros would just come and watch CF Montreal or Montreal uh, Impact or whatever yeah. you want to call them. I just wish it'd come to Stad Saputo. I hope so. I hope that it, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but nope. uh, maybe, maybe it will one day. Yeah, we'll hope so. We'll hope so because it would it, the stadium would be full automatically. So that's that's yeah. just what's missing. Every game, like a waiting list, hundred thousand long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one. Uh, it's from Can MNT. So Can uh, Men uh, National Team Focus on Twitter. He says, "It's amazing to me that there are people on this earth who are calm and composed enough to administer life-saving medical treatment under the most stressful circumstances possible. The medics that work on Ericsson are real-life superheroes." And I wanted to finish with that tweet because it's we talked about it a bit at the start, but it it was fantastic the the job they did, and I think you know Ericsson can be is is breeding because of their their quick quick life-saving uh, work so fantastic fantastic yeah, it's, it's incredible and yeah. it, it reminds me of the fabrice muamba yeah. um situation the bolton player at tottenham and i think the first person who got to him was a doctor in the crowd and yeah. then the medics came on um or at least he was certainly there around about the same time but you know it's fantastic that these people can can react the way they do and you know well save a life literally <laughs> literally <laughs> and Moamba recovered with with no uh, no trouble uh, not not a problem afterwards so well he couldn't he, he his couldn't career play, was uh, over he couldn't yeah. play anymore but apart from that yeah yeah he can still live his life all good so so um these were our five social media stars for the week uh, pepto black express dunlop eric chanois yannick masicot and can men national team focus all on twitter And um, just hit us up on Twitter, guys, if you want us to, to read some of your tweets or comment anything. And otherwise, we're always there looking. So uh, thanks for all these tweets, guys. And off to Eve for Time Machine. Thank you, Sam. So, guys, let's hop on in our Time Machine. And uh, we're going to go back, be a little less uh, pleasant nostalgia this week. <laughs> So we've taken lots of really nice walks down memory lane in recent weeks on Time Machine. So I wanted to change things up a little bit, remind everyone that football isn't always a beautiful, a beautiful game, if you will. I want to look back and talk about who are the dirtiest football players you've watched in your time as a, as a spectator of the game, or maybe you've even played against one in a Sunday league for all I know. <laughs> And uh, Sam, I'd like to start with you. Uh, 
I had to think a lot for this one because I've seen some pretty nasty players when I was watching the Premier League. By you know the early two thousands Premier League, it was it was it was full of them. Was it agricultural? Yeah, but uh, I stopped my choice on Lee Bowyer. And, oh, wow. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and Lee Bowyer, first of all, we have to say he was a very, very good footballer, right? And I think people forget that when they, they go on talking about him because they always bring up his, his nasty play. But Bowyer was, was, was just throwing himself into tackles and he picked up in his uh, Premier League career 100 yellow cards and five reds it's incredible and i i don't i don't know if you guys remember in the ufo cup he st stepped on the head of a malaga player i think his name was gerardo and he was banned for uh, six games oh that was uh, him it was it was disgusting and really um i mean after there was the story with kieran dyer when he fought on the field and all in all, his, his game was, was very, very physical. But I think it was a bit of a requirement at that time when you were playing in that center of the park role. You had to really get stuck in more than other positions. But Boyer had a, had a, just a, a nasty way of always having his elbows up when he would jump from the ball or his studs were showing in every single tackle he, he would throw himself in. So, yeah, I, I hesitated on a lot of players. I could go on, you know, for a little bit. My dirtiest player I ever saw in the Premier League was Lee Bowyer, although a very good player. Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, no, definitely that physical aspect of it is uh, such a, a trademark of the, the early 2000s, like you said. Oh, yeah. hmm. Hattie, who did you have in mind? Listen, it's very hard to, to, to name a player, but just by looking at the stats, because... You know, in the 90s, you know, the referees were a lot more lenient than what they are right now. So, you know, there are tackles that you didn't even have a yellow card. But right now, if you do it, you get a red card and you get and you get like 10 games, maybe. So <laughs> the game was a, a lot harsher back then. And I have a few players written down. I'm just going to talk about one just by his stats only. And then I'm going to talk about my choice. Um, the one I chose, of course, is in Ligue 1, and his name is Cyril Roule. Uh, Cyril Roule is a player that was uh, left back, usually, uh, but he could play also as a right back. Uh, he's a player that, that was really, really aggressive. Tackles sometimes not at all controlled. Uh, a lot of times he used to tackle the, the, the back of the player instead of tackling the ball, like completely the back, like he was completely in the air and tackling the back of the guy. Uh, the guy, you, you gave a few stats about Lee Boyer. I'm just going to give you the, 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 the results of my search on Cyril Roule, who is, as of right now, I think the dirtiest player in Ligue 1 in history, I think. Uh, 20 red cards <laughs> with, between, from those 20 red cards in his career, nine of them were straight reds. Uh, and that's in 421 games. He had 172 yellow cards. What? Oh my so God. this guy was crazy. He was crazy. But you know what? He was a pretty good uh, football player. He was really, really good. Uh, but he was nasty. He was so nasty. Like every time, like players were so afraid of him that nobody would have tried, uh, would try to even, you know, dribble the guy because 
they were afraid that he was never going to get the bad tackle from behind afterwards. So that's about Sirigu. But the guy that I really want to talk to uh, talk about is, of course, the Marseille player because I don't like to change uh, my stuff. And it's Eric Dimeco. Eric Dimeco. Okay. Uh, for people who don't know Eric Dimeco, uh, he's a guy that was um, a part of the team uh, that we call Les Minots for in, in, in France, uh, for Marseille. Uh, what happened is um, in 1981, uh, Marseille was about to uh, go bankrupt and completely disappear. And there was you know, a lot of media around it and it was pretty bad. And thank God they were able to save the club. Unfortunately, uh, the condition in order to save the club was to sell all the professional players of the club, all of them. So all the players left, and they took uh, players from the youth teams uh, to play in the second division, because back then they were in the second division in 1981, and they were very close from relegation. And that team of young players, which had Eric Dimeco, uh, was able to save the club uh, from relegation. The last game was played in front of 20,000 spectators in the second division in 1981. So just to let you know how awesome Marseille is. Now, Eric Dimeco went on, unfortunately, in the next few game, a uh, few years, they missed out on, on promotion in the next few years, but Dimeco was able to uh, establish himself in the team in 1989 uh, he won the the league the league one the, the division one back then. He won the Champions League with them, and unfortunately, when Marseille was relegated after the '93 season, he was sold to Monaco because he wanted to continue. He didn't want to play in the second division. But this guy was very aggressive, if, and he was only aggressive in the big games. So most of the Paris Saint Germain games, obviously, and of course, all Marseille fans love him because. Whenever you had a Paris Saint-Germain player that was really playing well, you could expect Eric Dimeco to come with a nasty tackle to bring him <laughs> out. Um, so it's one of my, my best players all time. Uh, he's now a commentator or an analyst uh, at, uh, on TV. Um, great, great, great player that, that I think every Marseille supporter remembers. Uh, so that's it for me for uh, for the, uh, the the time machine. Eric Dimeco was my dirtiest player ever. Right. Well, leave it to you to bring it back, despite Liga not having that reputation. Leave it to you to bring it back to Olympique de Marseille. Of course. Okay. Last but not least, certainly, Paul. Where, where, where does uh, thanks Eve? Where, where, where does um, what's his name, Joey Barton, uh, sit in all of that? Uh, oh man! Oh god! I was oh, so much. close. I was he so was close my choice. Oh, oh, I'm, sorry. I'm, not talk, I'm not going to talk about Joey Barton, but because he mentioned Marseille, I had to ask Joey Barton. <laughs> I was that close to choosing. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, so I, I think probably the dirtiest maybe I've seen is is, is Sergio Ramos, possibly. Um, maybe the word's not dirty. Maybe it's professional because he's incredibly professional. He's over-professional. He gets away with way too much, um, if you ask me, but he's probably the best in the game at doing it. But um, there were probably, I think, harder players in the in the 60s and 70s, certainly in the 70s when I was starting to watch football. And then there's other people like more recently in the Premier League days. I mean, Roy Keaton was a tough guy, right? And unlike Ramos was always controlled and it was always strategic dirt, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Keane would have seen the, you know, he, he would have seen the red screen in front of his face and sort of lost it a little bit. Cantona was a bit like that too. 
Um, I wouldn't have called them so much dirty players as as, as just hard. Um, Vinnie Jones was a dirty player in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> you're talking about Lee Bowyer. He he would eat three Lee Bowyers for 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 lunch. I yeah, think. Vinnie Jones was um, another one of my choices. <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. And and uh, I, I would I would focus on the Leeds team of the late '60s, early '70s, married managed by Don Revy, where they had Johnny Giles, Billy Bremner, Jackie Charlton. They always got caught. They were a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant team mm. who who always they kind of always ended up second more often than not. But they were the best team in England for about five or six years. Ultra professional um, was 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 the label they got. But they also got the nickname, and it sticks even to this day. Dirty Leeds. So um, yeah, that's probably it for me. There's a couple of Irish league guys I could mention that you've not heard of. One that I remember watching. Rob McCreary, he played for my, my team, Glen Torren, but the only time I ever seen Claudio Gentili, the Italian, back out of a tackle, it was when Rob went, um, well, if you'd seen Rob's lunge, you'll understand why Gentili jumped out of it. And he's probably thinking, I don't want to get injured playing against an Irish league player. So there you <laughs> go. There you go. Excellent. So I obviously spoiled my choice for you guys. It was Joey Barton. And I think that's a name we all recognize in this circle. As yeah, he's loved infamous. in Marseille, by the way. For real? Yeah, he's really loved in Marseille. And he well, was amazing with us. Amazing. amazing. I, I remember going to the Euros in, in 2016, and the first game I was at was England and Russia and Marseille. And I'm on the train, and this kid's there with his dad, and I'm talking to his, show me where to go and all the rest. And and the kid is standing there with a Marseille shirt with Barton on the back. Yeah. Oh, my I, God. I, I just was, laughed. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he was loved, and, and, and he was very good in Marseille. He scored a goal. He was he was loved he, uh, because at one point he was suspended, and he went with the, uh, with the supporters. He went with the supporters. He stayed in with the uh, with the supporters behind the goal, and oh, he, like he lived the game with them. So, yeah, like Chris, yeah, yeah but, but Barton did it first. So, <laughs> yeah, he was really loved, uh, and uh, he, he's still loved right now. Uh, I think that's one of the few places he's loved. <laughs> I think that's the nice way to put it. Um, I first became aware of him when he played with QPR, although I'm aware he played with a, a litany of clubs um, throughout Europe and especially in England. And I became aware of him because, oh my God, they played against Wolves and that was when he scored his first goal for yeah. QPR. Um, I believe it was in 2010. And in that match, he in fact got into like a, a physical altercation of sorts with a Wolves player. So I already, I had a bad taste of him in my mouth. And then later on, you know, just watching Premier League, he caused an absolutely epic brawl. I don't know what to call it. Um, in QPR's last match of the season, when they needed, they needed a result to stay in the league. Um, and they were playing against Manchester City. And that was, of course, Manchester City by the time um, Sergio, the likes of Sergio Aguero had joined them and uh, Carlos Tevez was still playing. And... I don't even know how to describe what, what happened in that, that particular match, but he wound up obviously um, receiving a 12 match ban after he elbowed Carlos Tevez in the face. He kicked Sergio Aguero. Yes. He tried to headbutt Vincent company. <laughs> like he had to be dragged off the pitch. And then even after the match, he said still that he was like, he wanted to take one of them down with him or what have you so it was just wild and um really he had a lot of issues off the pitch which i'm not even going to get into because the, the stuff that happened off the pitch was absolutely shocking 
but some of the things he did on the pitch as far as nastiness and inability to let go of um, of issues with with players in a, in a given game would go on to cost his team important results and would go on obviously to uh, to harm his reputation almost everywhere except Marseille. And you're, you're talking about him in a match against Man City, who, of course, were his previous club. And I, I know. I think the game that you're talking about was the game where Aguero scored the goal in the yeah. very last minute to win them the league. So I'm, I'm like almost crying here as you're talking. Because <laughs> robbed us. You're yeah. correct. No, I think I think you're you're correct. But it was and, just that was epic. He, yeah, might, he and, might be man. Is, is he manager of Bristol Rovers right he now? He is. Yeah. I cannot believe that he's like professionally managing players very responsible man yeah but <laughs> no but you know marseille love him also because of, of, of a game between paris saint germain and marseille and and who at one he point he, who did he kill no <laughs> at one point he got an argument with latin ibrahimovic oh yeah and 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 afterwards like zlatan was like yelling and he was yelling and everything and then <laughs> and then he looked at him and then he showed, he made a big nose. Yeah, he, he made a gesture. Nose, showed yeah. Oh a big my nose God. Zlatan. <laughs> it's a gif now on Twitter. So you can, <laughs> you can use it if you I, want to. I, I, I remember being home one time from, uh, and I had a girlfriend from here with me um, over in, uh, I was over in Ireland and it came on lunchtime news, um, BBC Radio 5 Live. And the story was a story that had come from Manchester City training where after training was over, and the report went something like a player um, poked a lighted cigar into the eye yes. of one of the junior players at the club. That and, was um, him. The, the, girl, the girl who was with me has absolutely no interest in soccer, but she turned around to me and said, well, we know who that was, don't we? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and it was. It was Joey Barton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here, here's one here for you. Who's the 30th Montreal Impact player? Oh, Ever or Victor right now? Cabrera. No, no, Nelson Rivas. Oh, uh, Nelson Rivas. Donadel has to be somewhere. Right? I, would say, <laughs> I would say Donadel. Yeah. Nah, Nelson not, but Rivas, there's man. a difference between, like, I think dirty and committed, if that makes sense. Uh, Rivas yeah. was dirty, but he didn't play yeah. a lot. We didn't see much of Rivas. So that's one second. Rivas was committed and Donadel wasn't. No, it's the other way around. I think that's what we're trying to say. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I thought that you were saying that. I like that, Don, the I other like, way around. I like Donadell. He knew. He knew how. Yeah, to, me too. He knew how to leave his foot in. I, I like. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget that that uh, Red Bull playoff when he broke Kleshtan's nose. Oh my God! Yeah. Changed the, it changed the tie completely. Red mm. Bull were out of it afterwards, and yeah. Just, well, he had to play with two cotton plugs in his nose. Poor yeah, guy. He was oh. at some point, eh? Yeah. Well, he's probably hemorrhaging. I know, yeah. and and Donatello. I don't think they even called a foul, if oh. I recall. <laughs> Wild. I good love top- classic good, MLS. Good topic. The tough guys. It's a good oh, topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you very much. Paul, and uh, with that, I guess I'll hand it over to you because it's time to be interrogated. It's the three-question quiz. How do we stand? Eve, five, Sam, four, Hattie, four. The ladies in the lead, guys. So we're going with the Euros theme this time, right? And and we'll go to we'll go to. Well, that's Eve. not fair. Hattie has an advantage. You guys doing Euro daily? I don't know. Yeah, I but if you know. listen to Euro daily, you would have the same advantage. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, gotcha, Eve. Oh snap! Uh, good one, good one. <laughs> okay, so we're going with Eve first, then Sam, then Hattie. And question one is: Which country 
has been eliminated most without winning a match since the group stages were introduced in 1980. And it's four times, they've been eliminated four times without winning a match in the group stages since the group stages were introduced in 1980. So that means that they've they've played 12 games at least and not won any in the finals. Is it A, Bulgaria? Is it B, up, up until the start of this tournament, by the way, up until the start of this tournament? Is it A, Bulgaria, B, Austria, C, Slovenia, D, Romania, or E, Hungary? Can you repeat the choices uh, again? Sorry. The question? No, the choices. Okay, A, Bulgaria, B, Austria, C, Slovenia, D, Romania, or E, Hungary? I'm haven't, going haven't to won a game. say Hungary, mainly because I'm a, I love their sweatpants keeper. So Eve goes for Hungary and Sam? Bulgaria goes for Bulgaria and Hattie Austria goes for Austria and the answer is Romania oh, oh wow. go I thought they would have had a win in there somewhere go four figure. times four times without the, they've been eliminated four times without winning a match since oh, wow. the group stages were introduced in 1980 they had a great generation and yeah, yeah I, know I know was they it did was it pre-1980 no, it was out. No. No, no. In the 90s, in the yes, 90s, with no, the best no. group, Petrescu, Hachi, Ili, yeah. uh, yeah. all those players. Dear God. But they've actually won games. Sorry, they've won games in the group stage, but they've also been oh. eliminated four times. They've also been eliminated four times without winning. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. 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 So before Chris, and we're going to Sam first here, before Cristiano Ronaldo this year, which is the only player to be included in his country squad across five different tournaments? Is it A, Lothar Mateus? Is it B, Bastian Schweinsteiger? Is it C, Lucas Podolski? Is it D, Iker Casillas? Or is it E, Dario Schirner? Sam. Uh, Lothar Mateus. Sam goes for Mateus. Harry. Casillas. Addy goes for Casillas, the Spanish goalkeeper. I was Eve. thinking Casillas too, because he's a goalkeeper, so he can go on longer. Eve goes for Casillas as well. And the answer is Igar Casillas. So 1-1-0, one, one, Sam. You gotta you gotta get this one, and the other two gotta get it wrong. Eh? In, in 2016, Robert Lewandowski equaled the record for 13 goals in Euro qualifying. Whose tally did he equal? Was it A, David Healy? Was it B, Marco van Basten? Was it C, Gert Muller? Was it D, Andre Shevchenko? Or was it E, sorry, we're going to Harry first this time. Or was it E, Cristiano Ronaldo? Sorry, repeat the, can you repeat the choices again? Yeah, sorry. A, David Healy, B, Marco van Basten, C, Gert Muller, D, Andre Shevchenko, or E, Cristiano Ronaldo? I'm hesitating. I would say Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Harry goes for Ronaldo. Eve? Ronaldo seems too obvious, I feel. I feel like I would have known that. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Shevchenko. Shevchenko. Okay. And Sam? Why not? Van Basten. Hmm? Van Basten. Van Basten. 
Okay. It's possible too. I think it, it's Müller. That's who I think it is. In 2016, Ronaldo. In 2016, Robert Lewandowski equaled the 13 goal tally from 2008 of Northern Ireland's David Healy. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Should have known he'd squeeze one in there. So it's a tie. It's a tie between. Harry and um, Eve. Eve, right? So Not here's damaged. the tie break. Here's the tie break. In February 1968. Oh my God. At Hamden Park, Glasgow, a new record, crowd record, was set for a European Championship match <laughs> when Scotland played England. To the nearest 1,000, what was the attendance? I'll start. I'll start this time just to help Eve. It's your it's your turn to start actually. Oh really? Yeah. No, I was the one. I, I was the last one that answered the question. Uh, that the last last, last week's question. tiebreaker, I started it. Uh, I would say eighty-one thousand. Eighty-one thousand. And Eve, are you going to go with eighty or eighty-one thousand one hundred? <laughs> <laughs> You know I'm gonna do one or the other. Yeah, I'll of course. Say of course. Eighty-one thousand and one. Eighty-one thousand and one. The attendance at the Scotland England game at Hampden Park in February of 1968 was one hundred and thirty-four thousand four hundred and sixty-one. So, How is that even possible? <laughs> Yeah, you know it what? was back then. In Scotland, they got big cars. Oh, they got way back in the day. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, I know big and building regulations for stadiums were not what they are today and stuff. Yeah. So. so that's Eve on six in the quiz, Hattie on four, and Sam on four. Over to Hattie for choices as he shakes his head. Uh, yeah, I'm not happy. It I don't hurts like losing. when it goes I the other like way, it. doesn't it? <laughs> no, 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 not really. Not really. No, I, that does. I just don't like losing. But <laughs> I feel you. Let's move on with choices. So I'm just going to give uh, wait for the bell ring and I'll be right back with my four choices today. Cool, guys. So let's move on with choices with my first questions, guys. You're Olivier Renard and you need to replace Louis Banks as a central defender. So you need to recruit a new central defender. And of course, you want to you want to recruit an international central defender. Would you go with an experienced player? Uh, and there's a lot of experienced players that are without contract. So we are talking about exclusively experienced players without contract. I can name Mamadou Sako. I can name Calker. I can uh, name Stefan Radu from Lazio. Jemerson, that's free. Uh, Mustafi, that's free. Also, that uh, I. Pretty sure you you guys hate that um, guy that played for Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we don't we don't want him. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> or would you go again with another young unknown player playing in a minor league in Zimbabwe or whatever in the world? What would you choose, knowing that you only have Waterman, Miller, Struna, and Camacho? So, what would be your choice, Paul? So an experienced player uh, that doesn't have a contract anymore, or would you go with an unknown young player? I think we need, I, I think we probably need an experienced player. Um, yeah. I, 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 that's a good question, actually. Um, you know what? 
there's enough experience across that, the, the, those three, the four players we have at the back, I think. So, no, I'll go for a young player. I'll go for a young, An player. Unknown player, a young player with quality. A young player yeah, with but, quality. Yeah, yeah, but that's for sure. It's Olivier Renard. So, I'm, oh, I suppose that's. There's plenty of them out there. There's plenty of them out there, I'm sure. Eve? I am going to go with the, the same answer as Paul. All aboard the Olivier Renard youth train. Um, Sam? Yeah, you know, I'd go with you too, given that uh, Struna and Camacho's contracts are up at, at the end of their year. You wouldn't want someone who's going to maybe sign for one or two years. I think a young, maybe a youngster could sign for four or five and, you know, have a, have a partnership already with, with Miller for a couple of years. And so uh, I, I think a bit more long term than, than the players that you mentioned at the start. The oh, experienced wow. players that are very good, but I think, I think youth would prevail in the in this wow. circumstance. I'm surprised. I would go with an experienced player because of Camacho and and uh, Struna's contract being up. I think I would go with an experienced player for two or three years. I'm not saying an experienced player that's 33, 33 or 34, but an experienced player that's 28, 29. There are a few of them that I named that could come and 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 just you know build something new with the someone experienced at the back. But yeah, but know, it's a like time. It's a time to do that. Not next season, though. Yeah, wait, I wait. feel like... But you have, you have an opportunity now. Those players are in Europe and are at the end of their contract. Mm. Uh, they're they're going to sign a new yeah, contract. Fair point, if you fair point, fair yeah, point. So yeah. This is the time you, you, you can sign them for free, right? Fair so point. Let's move on to the next choice. And this time it's going to be Eve that's going to start answering. You are Gareth Southgate. You just won the first game of England versus Croatia. Next game is versus Scotland. Would you keep the same four up front with Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling, and Harry Kane? Or would you put Rashford, Saka, or even Grealish in the 11? So my question is very simple. Would you change the attack or you, you would not because you like to stick with your guns and develop cohesion? What would you do? I think I would change it up a little bit. Um... I don't know a whole ton about Scotland, but I do know certainly that they aren't going to make it as easy as everyone thinks on England. Um, so I think especially given Harry Kane's constant issues with uh, with staying fit for a long sequence of games, especially when they come as quickly as they do in this kind of tournament, I think I would probably switch at least at the striker spot. And I'm desperate for Jack Grealish to get a start in the Euros. So as a non-Gareth Southgate English watching spectator, I would also tell Gareth Southgate to give Jack Grealish a start. Sam? Uh, uh, I, I really like Grealish too. And I, I, I thought about him right away when you asked the question, but I think you can't really put him up front as a number nine. Yeah, well, no, not as a number nine um, yeah. amongst the four. Amongst the four, yeah. You probably have to put him somewhere uh, at left wing maybe, but Sterling is playing so well. And on the mm -hmm. right, Foden has done, has done good. So I would have to say no, you don't change anything, but maybe maybe a bit of a shorter leash to, to Mason Mount or Phil Foden. And as soon as you can, you bring Grealish in if one of the two are not performing okay. as, as they're supposed to so at the starting 11 you you no, won't change I, I, anything I but, but you'll you'll you maybe do changes earlier in earlier yes yeah, and paul 
Yeah, I think I go for that too. I'm dying to see Grealish play as well because I think he's brilliant. And um, I wouldn't change the team after after winning today, even though I'm not a huge fan of of Raheem Sterling. Um, but um, yeah, I think he's he's got to keep the same probably four as he had today. But yeah, maybe yeah. Obviously, it depends how the game's going. But maybe make changes earlier if things aren't going well. But I mean, he's a hell of a bench there too. <laughs> like it's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I would agree with uh, with the boys. Uh, I wouldn't change anything either. Just in a tournament, I think it's important to 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 find that cohesion. And we talked about 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 Sterling in the pod uh, that we recorded today. So yeah. uh, I would suggest to go uh, to go hear our thoughts on Sterling because uh, we were nice, but not too nice. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on with the third choice, guys. Uh, and that's a tough one. So. You have three choices. Would you rather see Wolves or Manchester United, depending oh, no. Wolves for Eve uh, and Manchester United for Sam and Paul, lose an EPL game 7-0 or Montreal lose the Eastern Conference Finals again versus Toronto by only one goal or... Canada losing versus Haiti on Tuesday, 3-0 in the U.S. If you had to choose one of those results, which one would you choose? Sam, you're the first. Uh, it's, it's a That's tough one, eh? but uh, I, I, would, I would choose Canada to lose to Haiti. Yeah. Uh, the wow. reason why is I've I'm, I'm, I've always been more of a club than country uh, follower. So for sure, my, my country is Canada. I, I wish them the best, but I have just a, a closer feel for, for my clubs than, than the countries. So that's how I've followed football since I'm young. So, uh, yeah. Wow, yeah, because, that's tough. Oh, yeah, that's it tough. is tough, but that's, that's my suck, sucky answer, I guess. <laughs> Paul, what a, what a sick question! Yeah, really. <laughs> what a sick mind would ask. What sort of sick mind would ask that question? <laughs> that's that's me. That's me. That's my mind. <laughs> Do you know what? The, the thing that sprung into my mind after yeah, I, I I would go for the seven 0 defeat for Manchester United because they'll bounce back much quicker than the other two. And and uh, I could see Manchester United losing a, hev- a game heavily in a league season and, and still potentially winning the championship. So um, you'll uh, sacrifice one. So yeah, I'm going for that. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the seven 0 defeat on the chin, and and uh, uh, I think United will bounce back quicker than the others would. So yeah, Eve, I'm gonna take. But you're still seven. sick. Yes, no, no, I I agree. Harry, you are a twisted individual. Um, I'm going to make the same choice as Paul, but it's because I want soccer to grow more here. I need the soccer near and dear to our hearts to be more successful and to take more of a center stage role. So I would much rather, well, I'd always have rather have Montreal beat Toronto any day of the week. Um, and I'd love to have Canada finally make a proper run at, at World Cup qualifying. And I think that's really important for, for Canadians getting into the game. 
Nice. Very interesting, I think, uh, your choices, guys. So let's move on to the last one. What would you well, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But Marseille, yeah. <laughs> I tried You're not getting away that easily. <laughs> nice try. You sick, oh, sick man. <laughs> I really tried to get away from this. No. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, guys, I, I I would choose a loss against Toronto. And Thanks. and just because it's a narrow loss. And, you know, yes, it, it's going to hurt. Uh, yes, because it's against our rivals. But Marseille losing 7-0, like my heart wouldn't. No, it's not going to work. And 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 Canada lose against Haiti. I, 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 I'm just not going to accept it. So, you know, losing against Toronto... I've seen you know, United lose 6-0. I've seen United yeah, lose 6-1 at home. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to try to remember the bad days of Marseille either, so let's keep it on that. We lost 6-1 against Monaco, and it, it wasn't fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, no, I would take the narrow loss because it's a narrow loss. Yes, it's going to hurt, but it's still a narrow loss. It's one goal, and it's okay. So that's what I would take if I had to choose between Eastern the- Conference You're Final. Weird. Yeah. Eastern Conference Third, Final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're yeah, an odd person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, the, okay. the, word, the, the word is sick. The word is sick. <laughs> I was trying to be polite. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's move on to the last choice that I have. And we didn't talk about it because we are going to talk about it in the next show. Um, you are guys Bev Priestman. And we're going to start with Paul this time. You have to choose two veterans from these players here. Uh, so I'm going to give you choices. You only have to choose two. Who would you choose between Desiree Scott, who's 33 years old, defensive midfielder, Sophie Schmidt, that's 32 years old. Uh, that's a midfielder that can play a def- in defense also. She can play as a left back, as a right back, and even as a central defender, but she's a midfielder. Uh, Alicia Chapman, that's a left back, that's 32. And Erin McLeod, that's 38, and that's a goalkeeper. So you have to choose two of them. Who would you choose knowing that you're going to the Olympics? You have only 18 players to choose uh, to choose from. That's it. You can take only a squad of 18 players. Uh, so that's the, the players that you have uh, to choose from. So, Paul? I, I probably definitely take Sophie Schmidt because I have memories of her, right? And I can remember her being pretty good. And, you know, she's a bit sort of versatile as well, as you just described, midfield defence. And sounds like she can play right across the back four. Um, I'm 32, that's okay. Um, the, the other player, uh, probably wouldn't take the goalkeeper at 38 because I'm sure there must be other keepers. Um uh, available um uh, probably desiree scott who i also remember so she's at 33 i know she's a defender too but i'd probably take uh desiree scott and, okay. and, and i would definitely take sophie schmidt okay so two midfielders that you'll take then in the 18 and don't forget that you're gonna have you only have 18 players so you're taking two midfielders i thought you said uh, desiree scott was a defender defensive midfielder okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay, okay yeah 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 Eve? Um, I would take I would take Desiree Scott for sure. Who was the third person after Sophie Schmidt? I'm really sorry. Chapman. 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 Yeah. You know, I I wouldn't, I have to follow the same reasoning as Paul. I wouldn't bring Aaron McLeod by virtue of the fact that 
I can only assume if anything were to happen, um, it would be Kaylin Sheridan and Steph LeBay who would be the, the two you'd expect to start. But then for Sophie. So yeah, you, you chose Scott. So you have you have a yep, choice have between Scott. Schmidt and Chapman. I know. So left I'd back. Probably, yep. Um I'd probably pick I'd probably pick Alicia Chapman. Um it's just a matter of I wasn't as much a fan of Sophie Schmidt's performances in what I saw of the competitive matches that Canada played. Uh, in 2021 but I like her overall as as a player and in the Canadian system but based on 2021 I'll go with Alicia Chapman Sam I'd go for Schmidt for sure I remember like a bit like Paul her, she had really good performances um, a couple of years ago and she was very very useful in the midfield and I know. I don't know. I, can can we get Jose Belanger out of retirement? <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice, but uh, yeah. no, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I'd probably go for Chapman. Uh, I say left back too. Yeah. So nice. um, Schmidt and Chapman. Yeah. Yeah, I would go exactly with uh, with uh, the choices of uh, of Eve. So I would go with uh, Desiree Scott and and Chapman. I, I think that Sophie Schmidt is not the player that she used to be. Uh, mm. She was good with Houston last year, yes, but uh, with the Canadian national team, I, I don't like her performance. So uh, Desiree Scott or this year. Uh, in the last couple of years, I okay. didn't like her performance. Uh, not yeah, 2020 and 2021 uh, haven't. 2020 doesn't yet. count. Yeah, exactly. There weren't there weren't any games in exactly. 2020. What I'm talking about, but yeah, uh, no, I, I I think Sophie Schmidt doesn't have a place in the national team anymore. So so Scott and Chapman for me. Chapman just because I like her grinta. I like the fact that she <laughs> she never she never seems to 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 stop running and to try stuff, even if she's limited technically, uh, she's, 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 she's a, a good, a good girl to have in, 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 uh, in, in, the, in the 18. So that's my two choices. And that's it for me for choices. Thanks a lot guys for playing the game. And uh, yes, I have a sick mind, but I love my mind. <laughs> good stuff. Good, Thank man. you. Thank God someone does. <laughs> Thanks. For my wife choices. too. <laughs> I'm going to ask her. Yeah, you should. You should. Uh, I'm sure she does, though. I'm sure she does. Well, that's it. Choices brings to close another pod from the Ballers Round team. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to tell your friends. We go out every Sunday evening. Thanks, as always, to Rough Gentlemen for the music and to Can FC for the platform. No Montreal games to review or preview during this shutdown, but still plenty of football going on, of course. Locally, it's all about Canada's World Cup qualification. Hopefully, we'll be looking forward to kicking off the octagonal with home games against Honduras and an away game against the U.S. come September. The Euros, of course, are keeping everyone busy. Our best wishes to Christian Eriksen once again. Let's all stay positive and we'll see you all next Sunday.